DraftKings.org. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon take you up until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Uh, we will hear from Scott Dockerman coming up in about 20 minutes on Iowa. Uh, of course, Doc writes for The Athletic right now. He's the color analyst for football and men's basketball. He's Eric Heft, and he joins us. Eric Trenton, Ken, as always, great to talk to you. How you been? I've been good. I've been good. Staying healthy and freezing my tail off, unfortunately, right now. Ditto, ditto, <laughs> ditto. So you and John are doing the road games from this building, correct? That's correct. Just down the hall. That's what I thought. Corner. So how is that, Eric? Are you are you doing? Are you getting the feed that we're getting at home, and then you're doing that based on that, or do you have a feed that you know you see before we at home see? I, I believe we see it before you do. Okay. Uh, it's a feed. That everybody, other than Mississippi State, which was different because that was a Zoom, we have this company called LTN that's providing this to virtually uh, everybody who's doing games remotely. Uh, and we get a feed. Typically, it's it's almost like a video board feed. So it's not great, but we have a score bug, and, and, and you know, it has the time and score, which, you know, the first one we had actually was at Iowa. That was the, that was the toughest one because their video board feed, uh, they weren't really set up to do that yet. They probably are now. Uh, but yeah, we had, we didn't know the score. We had to keep the score ourselves. Uh, oh. and, it, well, and then if Iowa made a good play in a basket, which they made a lot of that day, <laughs> yeah. they would show a replay and our possession would almost be over prior to, oh. uh, to us getting the video back. So that was a, that was tough. That was a tough day all the way around. Let's face it <laughs> for Iowa State. Uh, but that was a tough one for us. The other one we had was Saturday, and so we have it all set up. John and I are there, and we hear uh, it comes on. The video typically comes on an hour prior uh, to, to tip off, and so we're sitting there. There's no video, but we hear the ball bouncing in the background. We say, okay, this will be all right. So we get to the point where maybe you know, we called, and they said, oh, no, they're just, they're just feeding us audio right now. You're fine. So about 10 minutes prior to tip, Video comes up, and it's from Hilton Coliseum, oh, where they're going to do this for the women's game later that day. We're okay. 10 minutes to tip, and we don't even have the right video. <laughs> so we end up getting it about two or three minutes prior to the game. But you're at the mercy of somebody else, yeah. several somebody else's. And it's not ideal, and I really miss the interaction sure. with the players and the coaches. Uh, and the travel, maybe not quite as much, especially this year, but... <laughs> Uh, but I really miss it. And I think, I think you miss a lot or we miss a lot of just, you know, inside things and just the, the connection that you have with the team you're covering. And so I do miss that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just glad we're able to play games and Ditto. we're able to broadcast them. Had opportunities too against a very good Oklahoma team and a Sooner team that probably playing their best basketball of the year coming into that one. Full compliment of guys that helps in a big time way, but Ken mentioned this a couple of times last week, and I think he's spot on. Ultimately, you got to get that payoff. You got to get those good vibes back in some way. 
they got to break through. Does it feel like this has got to be the week they're going to break through and finally get a victory in the ledger in the Big 12? Well, I mean, you're at TCU, who's you know has already swept Oklahoma State as a good team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're not great, but but they are solid. They got one of the best freshmen I think in the country, and Mike Miles. Uh, that's tough when you play Kansas twice. So, uh, is it going to be this week? I, you know, I don't know. I, I have a good feeling that the guys are really going to play play hard, and, mm-hmm. and they're getting better. I don't think there's any question about that. But you're correct. You have to have the payoff at some point. And I really hope for the coaches and the players that they're able to get that, certainly for our fans as well. But more than anything, for those guys who are, who've been through what's really been an incredible year for so many different reasons. And it's great to have everybody back. But, I mean, I don't know how well Javen's going to be able to play four games in seven days when mm-hmm. he hadn't been able to do anything for two weeks prior. He had one. He went through the walkthrough on on Thursday or Friday, rather, day before Saturday's game against Oklahoma. Uh, conditioning is going to be a factor uh, for Iowa State, and it's not the deepest team, certainly, that Iowa State's had. You know, they're really the only clunker, and every team seemingly has one, was that Saturday game against uh, the Red Raiders uh, at yeah. Hilton when it got away. And then they had the, 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 the shutdown. Came back shorthanded against a good Oklahoma State team. That one got away. And then going down to Starkville uh, against Mississippi State. But, you know, you can buy those coming back and shorthanded, etc. I thought the only clunker, the real bad one, was the Texas Tech game. They're showing signs. They're... I saw some smiles against West Virginia. Bolton had a big smile on his face. Steve Prohm hasn't lost this team, and you know, and you can you can start to wonder this about a lot of teams that uh, that are struggling, like Iowa State is this year. Are they still engaged? Do they want to be there? Has the coach lost them? I don't see one bit of that, Eric. Oh, absolutely not. I, you know, certainly it's a legitimate concern when you're in the situation we're in. You know, but I agree. I mean, Texas Tech. Uh, was a definite clunker and one that you know didn't see coming to that extent. Although uh, the way they play, just didn't really. Iowa State didn't have any answers for that, and haven't for the last three times we played them. So uh, there may be something about you know matchups that that uh, really put Iowa State at a disadvantage against the Red Raiders. But I think that if you go back to the next two games, you know, just erase those from your memory banks. I mean, people are complaining. Gosh, we lose at home to by twenty one to Oklahoma State, and you're playing without four starters. Right. And you you were struggling before that, so I forget that week. I was really been impressed with this last week, and once again, if you look at, I mean, Iowa State played Baylor as well as anybody uh-huh. has this season. Uh, they had two great games with West Virginia, had an opportunity to win at Texas, so they're not that far away. We we know the ultimate deal is you got to get the wins, but. Man, Iowa State is is getting better, you know. And I think one of the things that you look at, I know Coach Prom looks at, and, and we certainly look at from a broadcast standpoint too, is Iowa State basketball when it's been at its best under Fred and Steve, a lot of assists and not so many turnovers, mm-hmm. and that was a big issue for Iowa State earlier in the year. We had 18 assists. Uh, and 14 assists in the last two games, a positive assist-to-turnover ratio. And that just speaks to the guys are starting to get it offensively, what they're supposed to do. The movement, uh, the ball movement, the personnel movement has been so much better. And when those things happen and you're scoring some points, that will put smiles on your face. You want the big smile, you know, then finish the game, and that, that'll be the biggest smile of the year. Tell me a little bit more of what you're seeing out of Jaden Walker. The uh, Of the four-man recruiting class that came in, 
had the least accolades, if you will, coming in from Georgia. Uh, not even a top 300 prospect at 24-7 yet. Here he is in the starting lineup, even as these guys are coming back. And he's had glimpses. He's really, seems like the light bulb's starting to come on for Walker. You know, he got injured his senior year. I missed quite a bit of that. And then his surgery after that really put him behind. Certainly couldn't work out over the summer and even in the fall. So he's kind of behind the curve there. But Steve's always thought he had the ability uh, to be a bit of a playmaker, if not a full-time point guard, but a guy that could play that guard position and, and create some opportunities for others. Yeah, He's been inconsistent, uh, but, man, he has shown uh, some real – some really good signs of uh, court awareness. He uses his length really well defensively. And one of the things that's been really impressive to me about him, I know he's fouled out of a couple games, and part of that's because he's just not going to back down. And I think for a freshman, I think that's a really good sign. I think he's got a a legitimate, uh, strong upside. Uh, But I think what we'll see the rest of the year is probably going to be that freshman inconsistency from a guy who just hasn't played that much. One more on basketball, then we'll finish up talking a little football because we haven't spoken with you, if memory serves, since the uh, uh, historical season uh, wound up with the win in the Fiesta Bowl and ranking in the top ten. Seemingly everybody coming back for next year. So we'll get to that in just a second. But just on Rasir Bolton, it's it's clearly, uh, it, it looks like his team. I'm sure, you know, that this, uh, that he is, that he is the leader of this basketball team and continues to take steps forward, Eric. I mean, uh, he's fearless. You love that about him. Uh, his turnovers were way down after he turned the ball over a couple extra times, maybe against West Virginia. I thought he played very well against Oklahoma. Rasir Bolton is taking steps forward. I totally agree. And I, and I think you know it, it's, he, he's become a leader. I don't know that he's one of those guys who's just a natural leader. He's a quiet guy. Uh, but I think he's taken some real steps. And I think one of the ways he's done that, I think he's shown some real toughness on defense and rebounding and making tough plays, and I think all of a sudden that that helps make you become a leader. I think guys look up to you. You have guys looking up to you, then you are, by definition, in my opinion, a leader. And I think he's done a really, really good job there. I'd like to see Iowa State have a point. Hopefully Tyrese Hunter comes in next year. He could play a little less at the point, and I think just be a guard, you know, be a guy who can play some point, place him to, but give him some opportunities off the ball, I think would really enhance his his future and his ability to contribute to Iowa State. But I think he's taken great steps as a teammate and, and added real toughness to his game that I think maybe wasn't quite there all the time last year. Football for you and a win against Oregon, a name program, a blue blood program in the Fiesta Bowl. And you seemingly bring everybody back, something you just don't see in college football, a team this good that brings back this level. But there's expectations that come in with it. What's yeah. that conversation like? And knowing Matt Campbell the way that you do, what do you think as we get into spring practice, what's the message going to be from Campbell and the coaching staff? We have to get better. <laughs> we didn't We didn't get everything done that we wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, it was a terrific season. We left some out there on the table that we could have had. Uh, how how do we get better? How do the players who are returning, I mean, how do they take another step? I mean, just because you've got, I've said this for years, it doesn't matter whether it's a basketball team or a football team, you could have all the same people back. The chemistry is always different mm-hmm. in a new year. And you have to find, okay, who are these leaders going to be the same ones in all likelihood 
Of course it will. But who else can step up? I mean, I'm sure they spent a ton of time here over the past few weeks rethinking everything they do. I mean, where can we be better as a team strategically? Uh, what other defensively, what new wrinkles could we put in offensively? The same thing. Uh, and I just hope we have spring football. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, certainly Iowa State's a team that would need it less than a lot of teams. But I think if Iowa State wants to take another step, that would be a huge, huge thing for them. Indeed, it would. Uh, Oklahoma, they've uh, seemed like they got most of Tennessee's rosters that decided to transfer. They all uh, transferred well, to Norman. Maybe they'll have Tennessee's record, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be fine. Uh, Texas, new coaching staff down there. We'll see how that goes. Uh, fun conference, no doubt about that. So when you say uh, we hope they have spring football, have there been, is, is there a tentative date that you've seen when they would like to get uh, on the field? Have you seen anything like that? It may be out there. I haven't seen it. Gotcha. Oh, uh, but yeah, it it would be great, you know, <laughs> to get some guys, you know, get these guys back and and get them in football mode. I mean, I, I think complacency is a worry, you know, for every coach. You know, I, I think Iowa State has less to worry about than most, just because guys don't come back for their sixth year <laughs> unless they're really committed to doing something they haven't already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I don't worry about that so much, but I think. Uh, <laughs> There, it is something you have to have in the back yeah. of your mind. You have to try to get better every day. And this coaching staff, I mean, I think, first of all, it speaks such volumes for the coaching staff. People talk about culture all the time. Well, in fact, every, every team's got a culture. Some are just better than others. The culture that has everybody want to come back and do something more uh, it speaks volumes for, for what they've put in up in Ames. Good stuff, Eric Hef. Thank you for doing this for us. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. All right, sounds good, guys. Good to talk to you, Eric Heff, color analyst for Iowa State of football and basketball. I, look, at, I get it. We're not talking about wins for Iowa State, and mm-hmm. we're trying to put, uh, you know, make the best of a, of a bad season so far. Lipstick on a pig. Yeah, in, in some respects, and, and maybe there was a time that have been, you know, uh, cutting and slashing. I would have been the exact same way. Maybe. They're having. Are, are we evolving? Maybe. <laughs> I think the format's evolving. To be yeah, honest, no. Yeah. Sports talk has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you take you, you you take the little things you take away from it, right? Bolton. Bolton filled it up the other day. Yes. He's playing as you know what of, and I don't see this team as quitting on their head coach. I don't. Now there's a lot. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. Um, but Look, they if, need that win, Trent, in the yeah. worst way. Just get one. And if they lose out. It's going to be incredibly difficult to swallow bringing, running it back next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. If you only get a win. You know, I mean, the record's going to be 3-17, and 3-20. and 20. Mm. How, can you, how can you swallow that? And back-to-back. Can you afford to swallow it? Yes. That's, that's just it. You're going to need Hilton jumping next year. Mm-hmm. You got to start to fill mm-hmm. because there's loans being taken out. We've right. heard this across the country, yep. and as those loans are being taken out, well, you got to pay those things back. You can't do it with a half full Hilton Coliseum because nope. nobody's excited about the staff coming back for next year. Uh, we'll take a timeout. It's eleven twenty. We'll do. Uh, we've got a keyword coming up that we'll get to. Scott Dockerman's going to join us uh, on Iowa. The Big Ten football schedule came out. There were a couple of tweaks. The big one, clearly, was uh, what we saw uh, with Nebraska and Iowa being parked in its rightful spot. 
which is the day after Thanksgiving, and I have a feeling it's going to stay there for the foreseeable future. Lock it in. They righted that wrong, no doubt about that. Let's get Jeff in here, then we'll get our keyword before we get to Scott Dockerman. Jeff, welcome to the program. Take it away. Well, guys, I wasn't going to call today. I kind of wanted to just sit back and listen, but, um, you know, I'll leave the Hawkeyes alone. But the Cyclones, you know, I know you guys got to be a little bit more, I don't know, easy. You got, you know, have fun and company talking. But here's the deal. They're a bad basketball team. And what people aren't saying, they were a bad basketball team the year before that. So this isn't the first year. So this is two years now. Mm -hmm. And you guys brought up season tickets. There is zero buzz. Mm -hmm. There won't be any buzz. And so, you know, I hear the, you know, the talks about um, Fred and Steve and getting, you know, um, not four-year players. Here's the deal, and people kind of sleep on this. Fred recruited um, Naz. Fred recruited um, Monte Morris. Fred recruited um, George Neing. These guys, uh, and you know, who's that uh, shooter on, on the uh, tip of my tongue? Uh, Matt Moore or Matt uh, Thomas? Was it Matt? Matt Thomas. Yep. Okay, all those guys were three, four-year players. Those weren't, you know, grabbing a guy for a year, grabbing a guy for two years. Now, he did that. He had some players that did that, but he recruited. Mm-hmm. So where are these players that Steve are getting that are three, four-year staple players that, you know, you guys were talking about and Hef was talking about leaders? They don't have leaders. They haven't had a leader since Monte left, in my opinion. Uh, Halliburton. Halliburton was there for, what, two years? Yep. Yeah, and, what, and, and, what, and what did he really do? Because here's the deal. We're talking about, oh, you know, getting a win in a conference. When Fred was there, we were beating up on Kansas. We were the team mm-hmm. that was knocking down Kansas year in and year out. Look, nobody's saying about. it's not different. It, it's way different. Prohm has not – he brought in Horton Tucker and he runs out after one year. Yeah. Look what he's doing in the NBA. Right. Made the right decision. Halliburton was a guy that was looked at before his junior season as a stretch to play in the Missouri Valley. Yep. He turns out to be a first-round lottery pick. Yeah. Those kind of things just, are a detriment. I understand that. It's just where have we fallen when we're talking about big – like you guys were talking about Illinois and Iowa. You know, let's not forget three, four, five years ago, we were talking about where is, where is Kansas and Iowa State? Is it big Monday? Is it 8 mm-hmm. o'clock? Is it 6 o'clock? We, we, uh, we had that – Jeff, I appreciate the call. And it's, uh, Trent and I had that very same conversation. We were talking about the buzz over Illinois and Iowa on that Friday night. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't the buzz because – I mean, if Kansas, if it was Big Thursday <laughs> instead of Big Monday, we would have had three days to talk about Kansas and, I, and Iowa State. And you, and that game was on that level. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about you it. You remember those Mondays? Oh, God, they were massive. You got to hop but, in your step coming in. It, those were fun, fun days. And but we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to talk about Iowa and Illinois based on the year before. And based on the year before, Kansas and Iowa State were normally in that conversation when Hoiberg had it. But these are his kids. And, and Steve Prohm has, like he's Horton Tucker, check mark. But he leaves. Yes. Tyrese Halliburton, look what he's doing. Look what both of them are doing. You anticipated those guys. Worst case scenario, they leave after three years. Both of those guys were not top mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 national players. They were top 50. Right. Those are the guys that maybe they'll leave after their junior year. Yeah. Look, you, it, it would be easy to sit here and clobber Iowa State every day. Mm-hmm. Who wants to hear that? Yeah. I mean, doing it once or twice, it's certainly with, uh, within reason to do. And after the Texas Tech game, we did. Absolutely. And after the Mississippi State game, we did. We know what this is, though. And for people to think that 
everything would have just kept humming along if Fred would have stayed and not left for the Bulls. I, I think that's incredibly short-sighted. Well, I don't know what his roster would have looked like. It well, certainly is trending. The structure was changing because he could go out and get his pick of the litter initially of the guys that were transferring. Transfer, right. He was the only major yeah, conference the forefront program. of that. Yes. And then all of a sudden, Louisville's involved mm-hmm. in Carolina mm-hmm. and Duke. Mm-hmm. You know what? These guys aren't going to Iowa State anymore. He understood well, it was drying the, up. Yeah, right. Those top-level guys yeah. were not going to Iowa State anymore. He understood that, and he got out. Mm-hmm. He got out probably at the right time. Uh, we will uh, get out right now. How about that? We'll do a keyword before we do so, and then we'll get Scott Dockerman in here. Iowa. Things aren't very rosy over there either. Mm-hmm. Oof. Uh, time for another $1,000 slam dunk. Text the keyword BANK to 200, 200 right now. BANK to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, back with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO and 106.0.com. Trek Condon here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times. And homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, they're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to Renner'sWarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renner's Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Condon just past 11.30 on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial as we take you just before noon. Uh, let's get Scott Dockerman in here. He covers Iowa at the Athletic. We'll get into basketball momentarily. Scott, as always, thank you for doing this. Where I want to start with you is the uh, the Big Ten schedule came out on Friday just after uh, Trent and I got off the air, so we didn't have a chance to opine on it. I know it's kind of old news. You certainly did a lot of your colleagues a favor at the Athletic because they were all <laughs> appreciative of, uh, uh, of all the legwork you did trying to figure out some of the changes. Uh, I think the main change, at least uh, when it comes to Iowa, Doc is uh, that Nebraska and I were going to play on Black Friday, which is where they should and where they will. Yeah, that is the biggest change for Iowa. I mean, there's some changes throughout the course of the season, and I think those are all significant and important in their own right and their own way. But but by and large, it's the fact that that's where what Nebraska has wanted. You know, and when it came when it rolled off, that was under a, a new and maybe outlaw regime in, in Nebraska wanting to take games off Black Friday. and uh, But I think now going forward, this is what Nebraska wants. Iowa wants to play on Black Friday, and Nebraska has turned into a, a pretty strong series. So that's, that's primarily the, the factor when it comes to Iowa. 
One thing I was kind of thinking about the future, it felt like for years when it was Nebraska, Colorado, and even going back before then, you knew it was locked in on ABC, and you're going to see that, you know, kind of middle of the afternoon. They've shifted this thing around a whole lot. I know TV contracts are a lot different now than they were back then, but could that be maybe another step, too, where we're going to play this thing Black Friday and we're going to do it every time at 2.30. We're going to try to lock it in. If Fox wants to pick it up, if ESPN wants to pick it up, so be it. But we also want to find a time to go with it. Well, that would be great. But the, the difference between now and then is you have, uh, you know, the the contracts are, are deeper. I mean, mm-hmm. you have them with Fox and FX, or FS1, I'm sorry, uh, and, and BTN even. You know, BTN really wasn't around very often, you know, only for a few years when Nebraska was playing Colorado. So it's and there, there are more games now on Black Friday than there were back then. So, you know, the, the windows are, are more extensive. So that, that's what makes it a challenge. I really think if, uh, you know, now BTN a couple of years ago decided to make it a primary game. This year was different. It was during the pandemic. But uh, it wanted it really circled that as a game it wanted on that weekend, and, and it got it. It was its first draft pick. Uh, among the the ninety games or whatever it controlled, so that's why it took it at one thirty and it built its entire day around it. I, I think that's a positive, but I also agree with you that if you could get a Fox or, a, or an ABC to value it that much, then then yeah, that'd be great to have an exclusive time window every year. Uh, one more on the football schedules, then we'll get the basketball. And it, it's it's away from Iowa, but it's a selfish one, Doc, because the sooner college football returns, the better. And it's supposed to return on the 28th of August with Illinois and Nebraska opening up the Big Ten uh, conference season with a game in Dublin uh, the weekend before Labor Day weekend. Is that still... I mean, what what's the likelihood that game comes off? Maybe not in Ireland, but if if they can't go uh, to Dublin, might they play it here just to keep that television slot? I mean, there's not going to be a lot of games that week. Does Week Zero still make sense, even if it's uh, you know the games in Champaign or in Lincoln? Yeah, it's definitely going to be with a Week Zero uh, weekend because Nebraska has adjusted its schedule uh, and the the slot that it was supposed to be on uh was uh now has been filled by a, a fcs team southeast louisiana or southwest one of the two and so it is definitely a week zero game and it's still slated for dublin i mean let's face it it's it's a pandemic i'm not sure that people will want to travel there this year and maybe in the future sure that'd be outstanding but so i i do think that that one's a game that'll probably end up get pulled back to Champaign because it's Illinois' game. Mm. Um, and that would be great. I mean, I think, you know, the Big Ten really loaded up on that first weekend uh, with with four Big Ten games, plus they have that one. I mean, I think this is a way to really reintroduce the Big Ten. And it would not surprise me at all. I know Iowa-Indiana is under serious consideration to move it to that Friday. And mm. if that's the case, uh, you go Minnesota-Ohio State, Iowa-Indiana, and then uh, you know, Michigan State, Northwestern, and, and Penn State, Wisconsin, all on that Saturday. So I think this could be, a, you know, a really big way for the Big Ten to, to punch back in the college football scene. There's always been some uh, pushback because of the hospital of either a Thursday or Friday game, but Friday a little bit different as opposed to a Thursday, maybe something they could pull off. Scott Dockerman joining us from the that would the be Athletic. Labor Day weekend, too, correct? Yes, right? Yeah. yeah. That's where that would fall. Let's yeah. jump into the basketball, Doc. Oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say that that's Iowa has volunteered a Labor Day weekend Friday game. There you go. It really is. It is not no to the rest of the season. Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. So looking uh, over to the basketball side, it's four out of five. This team circling the drain is maybe a little hyperbolic. You look at efficiency numbers, they are still, Ken Palm still has them ranked fifth in the country. Uh, Torvik still has them in the top 15. Circling the drain may be a bit much, but they're certainly going the wrong direction. The Fran fade has been used. I would argue it's hard to be a fade in the middle of the Big Ten schedule, but here we are. In your mind, as you watch this team, what's going wrong? Well, there's a lot going wrong, and I mean, it's it's really, I think everybody wants to lump it in holistically, as you said, as as part of the the traditional fade and and I went through those numbers and it's really not I mean there have been a couple of years of course we're all aware aware of those where there were collapses and, and real drop offs and then there are others where they were, were okay so I don't know if we can lump that in with that plus it's earlier um, part of this has happened uh, in in January so you know it doesn't quite meet that narrative however when you look individually I mean there's out of these four games two were not well-played games and that was they were both against indiana and uh you know the illinois and the ohio state games those were against great opponents i mean two you know illinois uh, sixth and ohio state's fourth and they were really one to two possession games throughout the whole entire night so i don't know that i really will say oh that's a that's part of the spade but i would say that when you look at the indiana and indiana losses both of them the first one was just an, an incredibly poor effort by the team as a whole. I mean, they played poorly, they shot poorly, and, uh, you know, they, they deserve that loss based on their execution. This one, I think, is probably, you know, as much a strategy as anything. And, and uh, you know, the, the big one, of course, is when Fran, uh, when somebody gets two fouls, Fran, uh, Fran pulls them out of the game in the first half. Well, you do that to the National Player of the Year, you're going to expect a drop-off, but it was pretty dang significant mm-hmm. because when he went out with 12 and a half minutes to go in the first half the rest of the half i only hit four out of 18 shots and all four of them were by Wieskamp. camp um you know they only had three other points and that was you know at uh, the free throw line you know they were out rebounded during that stretch you know they they gave up a 10 point lead and were outscored by 12 the rest of the way i mean it was uh you know that's strategy there that's coaching that's brand decision making so I think it's fair to call that out as, as a reason why you lose by two because you figure if you get Garza in for the final four minutes of the of the half there, you're going to be more efficient on offense. You're probably going to play a little bit better defense, and you might give up maybe one fewer basket and score one. So I think that's really the key indicator in what happened yesterday. Why does this team give up so many offensive rebounds, Doc? Seemingly game after game after game. Uh, Luca and Nunji will be standing underneath the basket. Maybe Patrick McCaffrey, who's 6'9", is with him. Yet, whatever reason, one guy from the opposition is able to come away uh, with, with the basketball. Sometimes they score second-chance points, but they take away a possession, clearly, from Iowa if they're able to put another 20 seconds on the shot clock. Why do they struggle on uh, defending their own basket rebound-wise? I think it's become an either-or for Iowa. It's either A, they play good defense, or B, they rebound the ball well. I don't, and, and so they're either waiting for the ball to bounce off the rim, or or they're really engaged defensively. So you know, there there are a lot of different strategies. I would allow more basketball coaches to to get into the reasons why and positioning and what have you. But I do think it was really an, a factor yesterday. Obviously, Indiana out, out uh, had 15 offensive rebounds. Iowa's mixed. 
I mean, that really leads to second chance opportunities. And, and, uh, you know, and the other part was Indiana really captured a lot of what I, I mean, the turnovers. They scored 17 points off Iowa turnovers. Mm, So, uh, but, but, you know, the offensive rebounding, uh, they, they don't have the rebounders that they did when Aaron White was there, certainly, or, or Tyler Cook or Jared Utah. And I think that's a big factor. Rutgers this week, Michigan State over the weekend, and then Wisconsin as they'll have the Badgers two times in their final five games of the regular season. The importance of just getting right, getting a couple of victories, and maybe catching a deep breath because if this thing continues to go south, look, they're not going to fire Fran after the season. More than likely, they're still going to be an NCAA tournament team unless the bottle completely falls out and they lose out. But ratchet it up in a big-time level. What do you expect? What kind of a response do you expect to see from the Hawkeyes this week? I don't know, Trent, and mm. I wish I had an answer for that. And I, I mean, they're, they're four and five. They looked apart for a lot of the, the, the game yesterday. I mean, mm-hmm. when they built, you know, uh, they had a couple of 14-0 runs. It's true, that, and lost. Like Iowa. <laughs> yeah. you know, and how do you lose? Doing right. that? Well, you know, it, it's it's that's when you pull your best player for 12 and a half minutes and, and then get salty about it when you're asked. I mean, it's just, that's what I don't know. And I've seen it before. We've all seen it before, which is why this has become, uh, you know, kind of a narrative. And that is, uh, you know, do they turn this into losing six out of eight, you know, which they have before. I, I don't know. I don't know the mental toughness if they could come back and beat a ranked now Rutgers team, they're 25th. Mm-hmm. They barely beat them in Piscataway. You know, is C.J. Frederick going to be healthy or not? We don't know that answer. I mean, going to Michigan State, you know, they've won there once in almost in 30 years. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, you're just you're going to get a physical effort, and can you match that? I don't know. I mean, that that's the big question with this team. I think they're capable of doing that. And I, I think they're capable of turning this, into a rut, into a slump, but they're going to have to do it. And I don't know that I can predict that right now because I just don't know. I'm with you, Doc. Um, where does Iowa right, pecking order-wise right now? Where, where, where would you, you know, if you were doing your power rankings for the Big Ten, where would you, how many teams would be ahead of Iowa? I would, well, right now they're in, uh, you know, sixth, and I would put them sixth. And if they lose, then I would put them seventh or eighth because, Indiana's only, you know, a game and a half behind them. So, uh, you know, I, I think Illinois is clearly, the, in my opinion, the best team in the league. I I'm think they're the most you. complete team. I think they got the best talent. Mm-hmm. they got a great guard, and I think that's probably a factor in why I think they're better than Iowa. Um, and Ohio State and Iowa had a really good game. and that, But I, I think Illinois is a little more complete because it could do it at the other end of the floor defensively. Uh, Michigan, it's, it's really an unknown. Even though they're leading the league, they haven't played for a while. Wisconsin, you know what kind of effort you're going to get. And, and Purdue, in part because they have easily the easiest schedule left of the Big Ten. I mean, their final uh, you know, seven opponents have a combined record of 24-44. So they're going to finish higher than the most teams, even if they aren't better. So I've got to put Iowa there. I mean, they've lost twice to Indiana. They lost to Minnesota. Those are not teams with winning records in the Big Ten. So I can't put Iowa higher than sixth. And if you're going to go into this year saying Iowa was sixth in the Big Ten, Um, you're going to get the kind of reaction we're getting right now. Indeed you are. Good stuff, Scott Darkman. We'll talk to you in a week's time. What have you got going on this week at The Athletic? Anything you want to preview we can watch for? Yeah, we've got a Big Ten roundtable coming up later in the midweek with all of our beat writers just breaking down football. And, uh, you know, over the weekend, I've got a couple other things. I'm going to be handling a little bit of FCS football since uh, you and I. Nice. That's awesome. 
South Dakota State, a big top uh, five matchup. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to do a lot with FCS football. It'll be fun. That's good stuff. Thank you, Scott, Doc. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Appreciate it, Doc. Thanks so much. Yep. Yep. Good to talk to you. That's good. I forget to think football's over. It's not. It's not. This year. And it's not crappy XFL. Yeah. With guys you don't know. It's not the ARF. Right. <laughs> it's, it's real football. Mm-hmm. With it's in our state. Helmets that we know. Uh-huh. And coaches prowling the uh-huh. sideline that we know. That's that's a good thing. Back to basketball for a moment. I saw Jerry Palm just put out his updated bracketology. Oh, he covered Drake, by the way, this weekend. Did he? Yeah, we never mentioned that. Uh, uh, sadly, we won't get Loyola, an and unbeaten Drake team coming up this week. And Loyola's really good. The Doggies are number 10, a 10 seed. In his bracket, they would uh, be faced up against USC and Mobley. Have you seen USC play? I don't think I have. I watched them against UCLA Saturday night. Seen this Mobley kid a couple of times. I had the Battle of Alberta. Oh, yes. I I saw you tweeting about that, you and Bama Bob. That was a fun one, though. UCLA, USC. The Mobley kid might be the number one pick. He might be over Kate. Really? He's seven feet. He can move. He's a real defender. Really fun. Watch USC. You'll enjoy him. That's who they match up with (laughs) Yeah, in the first round. But uh, where do you think Iowa is? Right now? Right now. Um, Season ended today. They said, you know what? We're going to call it off. I would say, bracketologist uh, Miller, um, a six. You'd be a six. You'd be wrong. You'd be off a couple of seed lines. What? Four. Still? Still, because look at it in its totality. The totality is, after the first couple of teams, everybody has warts. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, mm-hmm. we were talking about Illinois and their warts. Yeah. They were able to play through it. Mm-hmm. It's still about the total body of work. And because of that, it's not as bad as we're probably making it out to well, be. What's their shiniest victory, Trent? Which 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 win for Iowa right now leads the way? Rutgers. The road win at the Rutgers. Road win at Rutgers. As Rutgers is starting to pull their head back up. How as, about the when they didn't they clobber Purdue before the young kids got it? <laughs> did. Yeah. I mean, that one the, we know Purdue then is different than Purdue now, right. but it still oh, absolutely. counts. Still counts. Uh-huh. That Carolina win is getting a little bit better. Right. They beat Duke the other night. They're on the right side of the uh-huh. bubble, but it's not a deep deep collection of quality victories, but there are enough there. I think they're four and six right now against quadrant one in the okay. first quadrant and uh, just over 500 in the first two quadrants combined. Together. All right. So five losses right now. Let's do this real quick. We've got to mm-hmm. get another break in. Um, home to Rutgers. Win. At Michigan State, loss. Six losses. At Wisconsin, loss. Seven losses. Home to Penn State, win. At Ohio State, win. At Michigan, loss. Eight losses. Home to Wisconsin, loss. Nine, 11 and nine. 11 and nine if they get the Nebraska game in there. Oh, forgot about that, yeah. right? Still have to play that one. It'd be 10 and nine if that doesn't get rescheduled. Oh, God. That's what they're going to be. Mm, that's, with the expectations that this team had, right or wrong, they had them. They had them. They right. had them. Were they fair? I don't think so. It's just going to grow louder, Trent. It is. The natives are restless in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it goes the way you forecast it. But if it it goes that way, they go 11-9. Say they win a game, they get to the quarterfinals and lose again on Friday and don't get to the semis. But they make a run of the Sweet 16. They're a six seed. They upset a three Mm -hmm. in the second round. Yeah, People are pumped up. Because it's been over 20 years. Yep. And if they win another game, and not even a final, but get to an elite eight. And they pull another upset there. And they're playing Villanova to get to a Final Four. They they lose by eight. That's going to be one of the most memorable seasons in decades in Iowa basketball. And it all comes down 
to that tournament with the 68 yeah. teams they put together. Yeah, but this was going to be the year that for the first time in some people's lifetime, they're finally going to win a, a, an outright regular season title. Not going to happen Well, now. the Final Four team, you know what they went in the regular season? I don't remember. 10 and 8 in the Big Ten. Isn't that crazy? Okay, we'll sign for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come back, finish things up. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 101.0. UFC 257 gave the fans the show they were looking for. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of USC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100-1 to 1 odds on your chosen fighter to step out of the octagon, raising the belt. Pick either main event fighter to win this weekend's UFC 258 bout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100-1 to 1 odds. That's a $1 bet on either fighter to reign victorious, and if your fighter wins, you will cash one $100. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code KXNO when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win. That's code KXNO to turn $1 into $100 on the main event Saturday night. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred. Bets off. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Fourteen sixty kicks and oh one oh six point three. Here's a Canadian. Yes, pretty good Canadian group too. Uh, Baylor just lost a couple more games. They're postponed now through at least. Uh, the 15th of February. We were supposed to get Illinois-Michigan this week on Thursday. Oh, that will not my. be happening. That's, that's too bad. Uh, that's that's a that's a major, major blow to the schedule. Hopefully they'll be able to get them in. But uh, Big 12 built in some wiggle room, although they got a bunch of games to make up that now. They do. It's oh, getting geez. to that point where you just keep stacking Percentage-wise, that's going to probably how it And I saw it. the Metro, uh, Siena, where Fran mm-hmm. came from, his old conference, they're not doing win percentage. It is strictly number of victories. So if you go seven and one, another team goes eleven and six. They're ahead of you. <laughs> they win with those eleven victories. Crown them. I mean, that's that's asinine, right? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Well, it's it's it is the year, though. Um, True, indeed, it is. All right, fun Super Bowl. We'll talk more football coming up in the weeks ahead. Probably in the <laughs> Don't days worry. ahead. We'll get football. Indeed, we got to know what we want to do this year. I want to find a draft dude. A guy that we can spend week after week talking about. All right. Eh, the NFL draft moves my needle. Anyway. You love it. I do love it. I do love it. Okay. Um, well, Cappy on Wednesday, we'll talk about Carson. Will he be a bear on Wednesday when Cappy joins us? I hope no, no, but uh, I have a feeling yes will be the answer. Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4, Iowa State Coaches Show tonight at 6.30, morning rush tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon, 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.